Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith and your pioneer roots. This is episode number 75, giving you four tips on growing your own food. So the very first thing that we need to do, and this might seem kind of obvious, is you need to commit for the season. And this is kind of twofold. So if you're a very first time gardener, just know that you're going to do it no matter what, because it doesn't matter if you're a first time gardener, first time growing your own food or long term, you're going to run into some kind of pitfall when you're gardening. It happens to everybody. I was raised in a family that grew all of our own food. From the time I was little, I've been doing it ever since my husband and I, I got married at 18 to my husband. We're still married and we've been growing a garden every single year. And even with all of those decades of experience, every year we will run into something that's slightly different when we're gardening. And so we might run into a different kind of issue. This past year, we had an extreme drought, the most extreme in the history of where we live in recorded weather. So that was an issue that I normally don't have to deal with is drought and water issues in the Pacific Northwest. But we did this year. So I learned a lot. I have a lot more... um, empathy for those of you who live in areas where it's really dry with gardening, but we got through it. We still got a really good harvest despite I didn't get quite as good as harvest on some things, but I learned a lot. And that's gardening is really that it is a lifetime learning when you're gardening. You're always going to be learning something new, which I actually kind of enjoy even when it does seem like it sets me back a little bit. So just know no matter where you're at in your gardening journey, difficulties may arise, you'll get through them. So just commit for the whole season. No matter what happens, know that you're going to push through and on and you're you're going to finish out and see through what you started, at least for the season. You may decide the following year not to do something specific. You might take a year off. I hope you don't. We've never taken a year off, but just commit to that one season if you're brand new. The second thing that goes in line with that tip is to enlist the help of family. So it's, this is going to depend where you're at in life. If, you know, if you're single, if you've got young kids at home, older kids at home, your spouse, but try to get everybody on board because it, it's really great if when we do family things together and my kids from the time they were infants, they have been out in the garden helping us. And that's how I was raised and grew up. It wasn't really an option. You helped with the garden. You were going to be eating the food. So you were going to help prepare it and you were going to help with the raising of it. So everybody, depending upon your age, had different jobs. Mine was usually weeding. The little kids get to do the weeding. But we started, my kids love to plant. In fact, when they were small, especially really small in their toddler and baby years, I would give them a section of the garden that was all theirs and they could do whatever they wanted in that section. They planted their own stuff. They could weed that way in that area, they pulled up things when they were weeding that I didn't want pulled up, as in our plants. It didn't matter. It was just their little section. And so my daughter's little section was great. She had beans and peas, and they all grew up together, and she picked and ate them just as they were. And it worked out great. So depending upon your you know, your children's age and stuff, even if they're little, they can still help in the garden. It might be a little bit more interesting, but it totally works. Yes, kids love having their own square foot garden. And kids, I will tell you something. My kids don't necessarily like vegetables from the store. They can, you can taste a difference. Homegrown tastes better, I I promise. But a lot of times my kids wouldn't want to eat a certain vegetable or a certain food. But when we grew it at home, then because they had had their hand in helping to raise it, then they wanted to eat it. It was kind of like an accomplishment or a feeling of pride. And then they wanted to eat what they grew. So I have an easier time getting my kids to eat their vegetables when it's something that they've put the work into and that they've grown themselves. And it does create a really good 
family bond, at least it has for us. And of course, there's times when I have to nag them like, okay, come on, you have to help me in the garden. We have to get this weeded. But when they, they know that it's our food, and it's so funny, my daughter is now six. And anytime I bring out the canner or we're out in the garden and we're getting stuff planted or ready or harvesting and bring it back in, she's so cute. She always says without a fail, mama, are we putting this up for winter? And we definitely, we are. So it's really cute. She's got that down. So Beth, a photo of my yard and have you suggest how to plant it? Yeah. Um, Yes, we can do that. And I will be talking about that too in future podcast episodes and future Periscopes. We'll go through a planning your garden series, especially for those of you who are first time or it's a new area. So I'm really excited. So those of you who are listening to the recording of this, you can join us live on Periscope. So it's a free app for your smartphone that you can get. And then you just follow me at Melissa K. Norris. And you will get to be in live on the videos and the podcast so that you can ask questions and get them answered. So really fun. So my daughter loves to help at six. She likes to help with the planting and she helps with the canning and all of that. So we make it a family affair, which makes it easier because if you are doing all of it yourself, it can feel like a lot of work depending upon how large of a garden you do. And I think it's really good to keep things and have things that we do together as a family. And for us, gardening is definitely one of those things. So that's what we're going to, our first tip, commit for the season and enlist the help of your family. And it can also be family. We've done this too. You may not have family that, that live with you, but you might have family in the nearby area. So we have family that live about 10, 12 miles from us and they don't have a big yard and they don't have an area to do a large garden. And so we have raised stuff and they've come up and helped with that. And then they get some of the harvest too. So you can do it that way. So it's kind of like a community family garden instead of just a regular big family uh, community garden. But you can look into community gardens if you live in the city. A lot of places are now doing community gardens where you can rent essentially a plot of land to grow a garden. So we've done a couple of those different options before. So the second thing that you need to do, and this is especially true right now, but this is probably one of the biggest things that you need to know for the success of your garden, is you need to know your first and last average frost dates. So for those of you in the south, your planting season is a little bit different, especially in the far, far south where you have the really, really hot summers. You generally, that's when you have time off. And so you really don't need to know these because you don't have frost dates. Your main, a lot of your harvest comes in the fall and the spring and in the winter time when it's cooler and you don't do a whole lot during July and August. But for the rest of the United States, you need to know your average first and last frost date. And that's for a few different reasons. That's going to let you know when it's safe to plant. And it's going to let you know for your harvesting time as well. So this is really important that you know. And if you don't know it, there is a website that I've used. You can Google it. There's a ton on there. This is when it comes up very first if you just type in average first and last frost date. But I will show you here. And I will have links to this in all of the show notes. So you can also go to MelissaKNorris.com, click on the podcast button and hit episode number 75, and then you'll get all the links and everything in the show notes there available to you that we're referencing. So it is davesgarden.com slash guides slash freeze frost dates. And what you do there is you just punch in your zip code and it will tell you your average frost dates for where you live. So those are two dates that you're going to want to write down and that you're going to want to have on hand. Okay. 
So that is your your biggest thing to know. So then have that date down and write it down. Because most things you, if you're going to be direct sowing, which is where you're not using transplants or starts, but you're actually putting the seed directly into the ground. For your warm summer crops, you're going to be putting those in about three to four weeks after your last uh, first, or excuse me, last frost date. And that's when your soil will typically hit, not the air temperature, but your soil temperatures hit about 65 degrees is kind of your general norm. So that's going to give you a good guide for knowing when that is. So the third thing, when you are starting to plant a garden or you've had a garden and that I want to talk about is heirloom seeds. So do most people know the difference between heirloom hybrid and genetically modified seeds? This is for all my Periscope peeps who are on here. So I will give you a quick little brief um, recap. So genetically modified seeds are done in a lab and they are injected with things that aren't necessarily plant DNA and they're not from that species. So they will mix fish DNA and they will inject pesticides and chemicals and different things into the seed. And then those seeds are also patented and they own the patent on that. So it's kind of a way of monopolizing the food system. And there's a lot of stuff in there. I have some episodes up on genetically modified seeds. I strongly disagree with the use of them. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that, guys. So hybrid seeds, they are the same plant species, but in a lab by a scientist or that seeds company scientist, they will take two different types of beans and then they will inject them into the seed in the lab. And then generally speaking, one those um, they are sterile. So they don't regrow. You can't save the seed to replant next year. If you do, it will generally revert back to one of the parent plants, all those traits from it. So it won't essentially be the same plant. Um, And if it does, it'll have some really weird characteristics as far as taste, and usually they don't germinate very well. Just a lot of things. So there's nothing essentially wrong with hybrid plants and hybrid seeds. If you grow them or you've grown them in in the past as far as, you know, like health stuff, there's not anything wrong with them. So... And that this is hybrid seeds I'm talking about from that you would buy in the store from big, large seed companies. Heirloom seeds, which I love. Heirloom seeds are exactly as God created them when nature began. So they're just as he made them. They've been, it's what humans since the beginning of time have planted with and saved the seed every year and have been our food system. And one of the things that I love about heirloom seeds is one, they're super frugal. I have never bought bean seed in this from a catalog or a store, y'all. My family, like I said, we have been saving these bean seeds from as far back as I can track. So I love that. So talk about a free food source, which I think is amazing. Very, very frugal. So we like to seed save. Beans are one of the easiest seeds to begin saving with as well. And we, I will have future episodes. We'll go much more into depth on seed saving. Um, where can you get them? As far as heirloom seeds, there's a few, di- there's a lot of different sources. Heirloom seeds, people are really starting to realize with our food system, how great heirloom seeds are. They also have a lot more variety and depth than your hybrid seeds. So you'll be able to find lots of really cool varieties and really cool plants. My love, my kids love it. Like we've done purple cauliflower, the purple potatoes. There's just all kinds of things and they're so much fun. So there's a few different spots that I get my heirloom seeds. Very awesome and so jealous. It is pretty awesome, but there's lots of heirloom. There's a bigger availability of heirloom seeds now than there has been 
in decades as, as far as I know. So we've been always saving our own bean seeds. And like I said, I'm, I'm working on trying to come up with a, a, a way to get these into your guys' hands. Um, I don't have all the details figured out quite yet. So that's as much as I will say about it at this point. I'm horrible at keeping secrets, but I have to until I get this all figured out. So um, different places that you can get heirloom seeds. One you can get, um, there's a really big company called Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds, and that's at rareseeds.com. Then there's also, I have gotten seeds from um, Survival Seeds from a gentleman named Scott, and I'm going to see if he will come back on and do another webinar with us probably soon. So you can sign up to get on my email list for updates and things like that and at melissaknorris.com. And then you can also look, when you're at the store, some places will start to um, carry them, and you can see... Um, what was the first name? Um, Baker Creek Heirloom, or the website is rareseeds.com. Another one that I used is um, Seeds for Generations, and his name is Jason. He's actually, him and his wife have helped me with my website, and they've got heirloom seeds. And yes, I can send all of this out in an email and it will also be in the podcast show notes. I will have links to all of these different resources for you. So you can use all of those. And then if you know anybody in your area that seed saves, you can ask them if they want to pass on or if you can do a, a seed swap or offer. Most people will, will greatly and gladly give you some seed if they've been seed saving. But I think it's always nice to first ask if you could purchase them from them. And then they'll probably say, oh, no, let me just give them to you. But I always do think it's a little bit nice to not just assume that we're going to get something for free. I don't know. Just me. So <laughs> um, that's always how I kind of uh, like to preface things when I'm asking someone is offer to trade or do a swap or to purchase it. And then if they give it to you without it, then that's awesome, right? So those are some resources for the heirloom seeds. And I love heirloom seeds. We've been doing an all heirloom garden for, mm, I think six or seven years now. Those are the main places that I have gotten our heirloom seed on varieties that I have not seed saved myself and that haven't been in my family. Cause the only two strains of heirloom seeds that we have has been the bean seed. You can also ask, you know, what's really fun is I have actually guys, I forgot about this. On my Facebook page, so facebook.com slash Melissa K. Norris is my Facebook page. There is a reader who said she just saved a ton of heirloom sugar pie pumpkin seeds and is offering to mail those to somebody if they are interested in having any of those, which I already instant uh, messaged her my uh, mailing address and offered to s swap her some of my bean seed for that. So if you are interested in that, I don't know how much she has. I don't know how much she saved, but you can jump over there. And of course, like my page while you're there, right? Might as well throw that in there for more cool stuff because my readers are awesome and like to give stuff to other people when they can. So you, that is an um, option for you right now. Like I said, I don't know how many she has and how long that'll be available, but for the moment, she just put it up last night. So you can jump over there and huge thank you to her for doing that. That was really cool and awesome. So that's an, another option for you right there. And like I said, I will have this all in the show notes for links for your heirloom seeds. That's another thing that my big thing is to commit for the season, even when difficulties come, enlist the help of family or neighbors and friends, anybody who wants to participate, know your average first and last frost date, three heirloom seeds, heirloom seeds, e heirloom seeds, even if you don't plan on seed saving your first year, that might seem overwhelming to you, and that's totally fine. If you've put heirloom seeds in from the beginning, then at least you have that option if you decide 
when you're into the gardening season and harvest is coming on that you want to seed save, you have the option and it's there for you because you've put the heirloom seeds in. So I only use all heirloom. There's a few seeds that I haven't seed saved myself yet and we still buy. Um, how do I organically keep weeds down? few different ways. I do an all organic garden at our house. We don't use um, pesticides and synthetic sprays and all that kind of stuff. And of course, there is weeding, just good old fashioned using a hoe and your hands and pulling out them bad boys. There are the permaculture methods, and that's where you put down a really heavy layer of natural mulch so that it protects the soil, it keeps moisture in, and it also doesn't allow the weeds to come up. It kind of smothers them out. So you can do that we can talk more about and we will talk more about that in future episodes that's a really kind of nature's way of doing it then you can also do different planting methods so you can plant your tall things and I talk about this some in the book um, in our planting chapter so that's in the made from scratch life which will have some really cool bonuses coming up if you haven't seen those that I will talk about in just a minute. So um, many of you have probably heard the term, the Native American Indians used to use this, and it's called the Three Sisters Planting Method, and that's where they would plant corn, which I've also done where I've planted our pole beans because those go up just as actually higher than the corn here for us. They go really up high. So you have a, a tall plant. Um, so people, they would use the corn, and then they would plant their beans so that the beans would crawl up the corn, um, our growing season is a bit shorter, and so I can't start my corn enough in advance for it to grow faster than the beans. My beans are quite prolific and really good growers, so that doesn't work for me. But then at the bottom of the tall plant, so if you decide to do a pole bean or your corn or peas, something that climbs up a pole or a trellis, then because that's going vertical, which vertical gardening is a great way to save on space. So you've got your vertical plant. Then you plant your vining out plants. So you've got, you know, your pumpkins, your squash, your cucumbers, all those things that vine out. Well, those um, actually the pumpkins, and I just learned this, you guys, like last year, like I said, you learn stuff constantly when you're gardening, which is really cool. I love learning. Swale systems. Yeah, there's lots of different ways. So it just depends on where you're at, what you have available, your resources and all that kind of thing. But this has worked well for us. And your pumpkins actually put a little chemical out around the vines that inhibits the growth of certain of weeds in certain families. It doesn't inhibit the growth. It hasn't for us of any of our vegetables that we've planted in. But because it vines out and it goes so far out and then it has those big leaves, it acts as a natural permaculture and the weeds don't come up as much because the light, the sun doesn't get down. It kind of keeps them from growing, but it doesn't affect the, the growing of the crop that we have planted. So there's numerous, you know, there's ways to do that. And then I also talk about in the book, in the chapter, one of the things is, yeah, it creates shade. Exactly. So I try to plant my garden to make it do the most work for me that it possibly can so that I don't have to do as much hands-on work. So I definitely use that system. And then another thing that you can do is most seeds when you have tilled and you have planted the, the seeds of what's going to be your weeds um, about 10 to 14 days, you'll see these little fine hair-like fibers come up and that's where it's starting to send out its roots and for them to grow. So if you just take a hoe and shallowly go through and hoe the surface of your garden and you're not actually vis visibly seeing the weeds yet, then that disrupts their growing pattern and it stops them from coming up later. So there's lots of different ways. I talk about quite a few of them in the book in our gardening and harvesting chapter. So 
now we're going to talk about our fourth thing, and this is choosing your garden spot. So right now, this time of year is a great time to choose the spot that you're going to use from your garden. If you're putting a new garden spot in, you're adding another garden spot, you're um, swapping, or you need to look at your existing garden spot and see if there's anything that you need to do differently. So one of the things that I always take into consideration is I don't want my garden spot to be at the bottom so I look out and you don't want it to be at the bottom of elevation because when rain comes, then everything could go down and it's going to swamp that. So you want fairly level. Plus then if it's on really um, hilly or it's not level, then when you're watering, then all of your water, of course, as we know, runs downhill. So if you're at the bottom of the hill, that's bad. You don't want to flood it out. But if you're watering it at, your, at the top of a hill, you don't want all the water that you're putting on your garden and you want it to soak down into the soil. You don't want that running off as well. So trying to pick a spot that's fairly level is really good. And then you don't want runoff, say, from a neighbor's property or if someone's using something that you don't want. So picking your spot Try to go for level ground, and that's going to be away from any kind of runoff contamination from anywhere else on your property or neighboring property. Then you also want, for vegetable gardening, most vegetables need to have full sun, at least six hours of sunlight. Pigs are awesome tillers, you guys. They're way better land clearers than goats. I've had both, let me tell you. The pigs do an amazing job of tilling up the soil, and then their manure sits and acts as a fertilizer, as long as you've done it um, far enough in advance for that to break down and compost into the soil before you plant. You don't want it to be fresh. So that is a great option, too. Yes, we have done that with our pigs. They are amazing little tillers. So what you want to make sure is that the garden spot that you pick has full sunlight, at least for six hours a day. And this is for most of our summer, most plants anyway. Some can get away with a little bit more shade. And we, I talk about that and we have um, in the book, I've got lots of charts, which is fun. But you want to make sure that you're getting enough sunlight because that's going to be the one thing that you really can't uh, maneuver around. You can't add more sunlight and is going to be the one thing that will stop you from getting a crop. It will stop your plants from going well. It will stop them from producing a good crop, from ripening and all that. So picking your spot that is fairly level and then making sure that you're getting full sunlight is just the, the biggest thing. And also keep in mind at this time of year when you're picking your spot for the sunlight, remember that in the middle of summer that your sun is going to come up and it's going to change where it's at a little bit in the sky. So if you have trees now that don't have leaves on them, remember when those leaf out, they're going to produce shade. So just kind of keep in mind that when you're picking out your garden spot. The third thing that I really want you to remember when you're picking out your garden spot is making sure that it's close enough to some type of water source because most of us are going to need to water to a degree. Um, there's lots of different watering methods and we'll talk about that. We can talk about that in a future scope and future um, podcast episode, but you don't want to have to run miles and miles of hose to water your garden. Um, you don't want to have to remove those miles and miles of hose. One, it's expensive to buy a whole bunch of hose. And then two, if you mow your lawn or you need to you know, use your lawn and stuff, you don't want to have to undo and move those hoses every time. It's just too much work and it's cumbersome and we don't want to deal with anything more than we have to, right? We'll make this simple. So you, and then if you don't have hoses that will reach that far and you have to pack it, well, it is a great workout. Let me tell you, I had to pack some water to our fruit trees. I've never had to water our fruit trees before, you guys, but this year I had to water them to keep them alive. And so I was packing five gallons buckets of water out to water the fruit trees, which it is a good workout. Let me tell you, my, um, 
was had some good muscle tone going on there, but it was a lot more work and it took a lot longer. I didn't have hoses that would reach that far. So just keep that in mind that it's near to a water source. And that's also good too. When you're harvesting stuff, you're going to want to be able to just take it and rinse it off before you take it in the house, especially if you're like me. I don't want to have to cart through my buckets and baskets full of good yummy vegetables all the way through the house and get dirt all over everything. So it's really nice if you have some kind of water source that's near the garden for watering and washing off your produce and hands and feet of everybody because I don't know about you, but I am a barefoot gardener. So we all kick off our shoes and just go barefoot, which makes for nice little dirty feet (laughs) and hands. So I like to have my water source outside there, not only for watering the garden, but to clean up, which is lots of fun. So that is my, um, my main points when you're choosing your garden spot. And then we're going to, we will get more into and into the book has about your soil type. But I, I really do believe that these are the most four important things to consider and to, to choose now when you're planning on doing a garden to grow your own food. And these are things that you can do now this time of year really, really easily to start your planning and to start your season without being overwhelmed and making sure that you have everything that you need beforehand so that you can go to a good garden in in order to harvest food for your family. So those four points recap real quick. I know if anybody joined us late is to commit for the season, knowing that you probably will have a little bit of hardships when you're gardening and that's fine. Enlist help from family, neighbors, and friends. Know your average first and last frost date. Heirloom seeds, find an heirloom seed source and commit to using heirloom seeds. And then for how to choose your garden spot. So if you've missed any of our past episodes, For the podcast, you can go to melissaknorris.com and click on the podcast button. For Periscopes, for all of our videos, you can go to our catch.me account, and that's K-A-T-C-H dot M-E slash melissaknorris. All the videos are up there, which is pretty cool, so you can catch those there. And then I want to talk about just for a minute, guys, if you, if growing your own food, gardening, harvesting, being self-sufficient, and let me tell you, it does cut down your grocery bill and it does save money a lot. During the summer months when we have all of our fresh produce coming on, I heard I don't really go to the grocery store that much. We don't have a milk source, so I'll go to buy milk and that's kind of it, which is really awesome. Grocery shopping from your own backyard is amazing. So if that's something that you want to do, you definitely want to get your hands on the Made From Scratch Life. We have three chapters dedicated to this with charts and tons of tips, ways to organically do things the way our ancestors did, the pioneers did, and things that you can do at home and that are not hard. Plus, we have our amazing bonuses going on right now. So if you pre-order the book, you can go to the madefromscratchlife.com. Then you are getting over $30, you guys, in free bonuses. And they are amazing. I have our entire 30-day to preparedness series um, great printable. Oh, did you get, you got your printable already? Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I haven't heard back from anybody. Um, if they've downloaded their bonuses, I know they were sent out, but I hadn't heard from any and I'm so excited. So yes, you get the, um, I got so excited. I sidetracked myself y'all. So, (laughs) um, the 30 days to preparedness, you get an ebook form and that has checklists in it and it goes through, it's just common sense ways to get prepared. We cover a lot of things that you would think in preparedness. So we've got, um, without 
without electricity, raising your own food, things to have in your car, bug out bags, all that kind of stuff. Tons of resources for you there. So that alone is one bonus that you get. Then you also get the made from scratch workbook and companion guide. And that is really cool. And that's where all these awesome printables are that everybody's talking about, which I love. So there is an ingredient substitution list. So when you are going through and you're making something and you run out of something, you don't have to run to the store. It's got substitutions that will work for all kinds of cooking and baking. It's a pantry inventory list. So you know what you have and what to have on hand. So this helps with your food storage. Also helps with frugality to know and to stock um, your basics and then how to use them. There's a root cellar storage chart, which I love. So this shows you, even if you don't have a root cellar, how you can store and keep things without a refrigerator. Your and the special things that you need to do because some things need to cure, some things don't before storing them. So that's all in there. There's meal planning. Um, charts. There's sample menu plans. There's, oh my goodness, you guys, there's just so much stuff. And so that's all for free. It's all a bonus and they're, it's really pretty. Some of the printables, especially the kitchen substitution chart, I'm printing out and framing to hang in my kitchen. So I've just got it right there. I don't have to keep flipping back to look at it. So that is a bonus. And then the third bonus is a five day fast track bonus start e-course. And so you get that as well. And so that helps you to implement and do everything without feeling overwhelmed and to focus on the five most important things. So really cool. And you get all of that right now. I just checked Barnes and Noble has the paperback copy of the made from scratch life for I think seven. Uh, Amazon has it. They dropped it to eight fourteen. you guys, $8 and 14 cents. So for $8 and 14 cents, you get all of the awesome bonuses valued at way over 30 bucks. Plus you get the book and that's paperback. That's physical hard copy and all of the bonuses. Well, obviously the fast track um, is going to come in your email to email course over five days. The other two bonuses are digital, but they're PDF form. So that means that you can save them to your computer and then you can print them out. So they're very easable printables, which I recommend because it's so much easier to do charts and workbooks, I think in printable form. So you get all of those bonuses at madefromscratchlife.com. Click on the bonus button and there's just a little form at the bottom that you fill out and then you get your bonuses immediately. So you get immediate access to them. But this offer does expire. Um, it's not going to be forever. So you want to make sure that you take advantage of those now. Um, so before they're gone. So I'm really excited about that. Thank you to everyone who ordered. I'm just so excited and I can't wait to hear about your journey and everything that you do. And then, like I said, even in the regular book, we have charts. So once you know your first average first and last frost date, then you have a guide right in here to punch in to show you exactly when to plant everything, when it's going to be coming up for harvest and then, of course, we've got, which I'm excited about, we've got our seasonal buying guide. So if it's something you're not growing yourself, it also shows you when to go and purchase it at the store when the seasonal prices are the lowest. And then, of course, we have our preserving chapter, which y'all know I am a canner at heart, but we go into dehydrating and canning and, of course, root cellaring and all that fun stuff, you guys. So I'm really, really excited. And thank you to everybody who has pre-ordered and grabbed your bonuses. And even if you pre-ordered, I know some of you pre-ordered a couple months ago. If you pre-ordered before, you still get these bonuses. So this is, you go, just go to madefromscratchlife.com, click on the bonuses button. The form is there and you punch your stuff in. So this doesn't mean that it's just for those who ordered today or yesterday. So if you pre-ordered at any time, 
then you still get these bonuses. And the bonuses don't expire. So once you've pre-ordered and you've got your bonuses, you it's limit, You don't have like limited access or a certain amount of time that you have to go in and get your downloads. They're there for you regardless. So that, that part doesn't expire, but the offer expires. So thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Me, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend and Monday. Have a great day, guys.